Chapter Ten of Baseball Joe in the Central League by Lester Chadwick. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Donald Cummings. Chapter Ten, Bitterness. Joe glanced over to where Gregory sat on the bench, from which he would engineer this first game of the season. The manager caught the eye of the young pitcher, and something in Joe's manner must have told the veteran that his latest recruit was nervous. He signaled to Joe to try a few practice balls, and our hero nodded comprehensively. The batter stepped back from the plate, and Joe thought he detected a smile of derision at his own newness, and perhaps rawness. "'But I'll show him,' whispered Joe fiercely to himself, as he clinched his teeth and stung in the ball. It landed in the mitt of the catcher with a resounding thud. "'That's the boy,' called Gregory to him. "'You'll do, old man.' stingin another joe threw with all his force but there was a sickening fear in his heart that he was not keeping good control over the ball nelson signaled to him to hold his curves in a little more and joe nodded to show he understood play ball drawled the umpire again and the batter took his place at the plate joe looked at the man and reviewing the baseball dope he recalled that the player batted well over three hundred and was regarded as the despair of many pitchers. If I could only strike him out, thought Joe. His first ball went a little wild. He realized that it was going to be a poor one as soon as it left his hand, but he could not for the life of him recover in time. Ball one, yelled the umpire. That's the way. Make him give you what you want. Wait for a pretty one. That's their $10,000 college pitcher back to the bench for his these were only a few of the remarks sarcastic and otherwise that greeted joe's first performance he felt the hot blood rush to his face and then as he stepped forward to receive the ball which the catcher tossed back to him he tried to master his feelings the catcher shook his head in a certain way to signal to joe to be on his guard joe looked over at gregory who did not glance at him i'll do better this time whispered Joe fiercely. He deliberated a moment before hurling in the next ball. "'Here goes a home run! Clouded over the fence, Pike!' called an enthusiastic fan in a shrill voice, and the crowd laughed. "'Not if I know it,' muttered Joe. The ball clipped the corner of the plate cleanly, and the batter, who had made a half-motion to hit at it, refrained. "'Strike one!' yelled the umpire, throwing up his arm. "'That's the way, Matson. Two more like that and he's a dead one.' Joe caught the signal for a drop, but shook his head. He was going to try another out. Again his catcher signaled for a drop, but Joe was, perhaps, a trifle obstinate. He felt that he had been successful once with an out, and he was going to do it again. The catcher finally nodded in agreement, though reluctantly. Joe shot in a fast one, and he knew that he had the ball under perfect control. Perhaps he was as disappointed as any of the home players when there came a resounding crack and the white sphere sailed aloft and well out over center field. That's the way, Pike. Two bags, anyhow. But the redoubtable Pike was to have no such good fortune, for the center fielder, after a heartbreaking run, got under the fly and caught it, winning much applause from the crowd for his plucky effort. One down, called Gregory cheerfully. Only two more, Joe. 
Joe wished that he had struck out his man, but it was some consolation to know that he was being supported by good fielding. The next man up had a ball and a strike called on him, and Joe was a bit puzzled as to just what to offer. He decided on a swift in, and thought it was going to make good, but the batter was a crafty veteran and managed to connect with the ball. He sent a swift liner which the shortstop gathered in, however, and there was another added to the list of outs. "'One more, and that'll be about all,' called the Pittston catcher. Joe threw the ball over to first for a little practice, while the next batter was picking out his stick, and then came another try. "'I've got to strike him out,' decided the young pitcher. "'I've got to make good.' His heart was fluttering, and his nerves were not as calm as they ought to have been. He stooped over and made a pretense of tying his shoelace. When he straightened up, he had, in a measure, gained a mastery of himself. He felt cool and collected. In went the ball with certain aim, and Joe knew that it was just what he had intended it should be. "'Strike!' called the umpire, though the batter had not moved. There was some laughter from the grandstand, and the batter tapped the plate nervously. Joe smiled. "'Good work,' called Gregory from the bench. Again the ball went sailing in, but this time Joe's luck played him a shabby trick, or perhaps the umpire was not watching closely. Certainly Joe thought it a strike, but ball was called. Joe sent in the next one so quickly that the batter was scarcely prepared for it. But it was perfectly legitimate, and the umpire howled, "'Strike two! "'That's the boy. "'Good work. "'Another like that now, Joe.' Thus cried the throng. Gregory looked pleased. "'I guess Mac didn't make any mistake picking him up,' he said. The batter knocked a little foul next, that the catcher tried in vain to get. And then, when he faced Joe again, our hero sent in such a puzzling drop that the man was deceived and struck out. "'That's the boy. "'What do you think of our ten-thousand-dollar college pitcher now?' "'Come on, Cleefield.' He's got some more just like that. The home team and his supporters were jubilant, and Joe felt a sense of elation as he walked in to the bench. Now see what my opponent can do, he murmured. McInnes was an old-time pitcher, nothing very remarkable, but one any small club would be glad to get. He had the number of most of the Pittston players, and served them balls and strikes in such order that though two little pop flies were knocked, no one made a run. The result of the first inning was a zero for each team. "'Now, Joe, be a little more careful, and I think you can get three good ones,' said Gregory, as his team again took the field. "'I'll try,' replied Joe earnestly. He got two men, but not the third, who knocked a clean two-bagger amid enthusiastic howls from admiring fans. This two-base hit seemed to spell Joe's undoing for the next man duplicated, and the first run was scored. There were two out, and it looked as though Cleefield had struck a winning streak, for the next man knocked what looked to be good for single. But Bob Newton, the right fielder, caught it, and the side was retired with one run. Pittston tried hard to score, but the crafty pitcher, aided by effective feeling, shut them out, and another zero was their portion on the scoreboard. "'Joe, we've got to get him!' exclaimed Gregory earnestly. "'I'll try,' was the sturdy answer. It was heartbreaking, though, 
when the first man up singled, and then came a hit-and-run play. Joe was not the only player on the Pittston team who rather lost his head that inning, for though Joe was hit badly, others made errors, and the net result was that Cleefield had four runs to add to the one, while Pittston had none. They managed, however, to get two in the following inning, more by good luck than good management, and the game began to look, as Jimmy Mack said, as though the other team had it in the refrigerator. How it happened Joe never knew, but he seemed to go to pieces. Probably it was all a case of nerves, and the realization that this game meant more to him than any college contest. However that may be, the result was that Joe was effectively hit the next inning, and when it was over, and three more runs had come in, Gregory said sharply, Colin, you'll pitch now. It meant that Joe had been knocked out of the box. We've got to get this game, explained the manager, not unkindly, but Joe felt, with bitterness in his heart, that he had failed. End of chapter 10